Hey, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. I am your host, your equal opportunity annoyer. Scott Van Kirk is in the studio, former service uh, member, former, well, uh, and, and former police officer, uh, firearms trainer, and, and did, and you, you brought, you brought along the guy from Modern Arms? At the Brown Station location. Larry Whalen. Yeah. Yeah, good He's, morning. Good morning. Uh, listen, uh, Jason Aldean came up with a with a song. I'm not a great uh, big country fan. Oh, good, uh, good, because that's not a country song. Well, whatever. The <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. No, it's I think C- it is. It's C pop. C pop. It's a country song. Otherwise, uh, why would CMT be concerned about dropping it? But anyway, uh, the fact is that the woman who got that ball rolling. Uh, was having a discussion on Twitter with Dr. John Lott, uh, More Guns, Less Crime, and Crime Research. And uh, he asked her a simple question, and she blocked him. She's a gun control advocate. Uh, John Lott is going to be with us in the final half hour of the program. Uh, he, and, and you guys have seen these, uh, these questions, these studies that they, they hand out that seem to indicate that the American public is really on board with gun control. Uh, but it's all on how you ask the question. Uh, John Lott actually had a survey done uh, asking the questions, I would argue, more honestly and got an entirely different result than those uh, studies you see on PBS, etc. So uh, we'll chat with him. In the meantime, uh, and especially because we've got Scott with us, there are some things that we say on a regular basis in everyday conversation that are actually... Scott, put the gun down. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a highway patrolman. <laughs> He's just playing with it. I am. Uh, but a lot of these things come from the military. So I thought I'd go through a, a couple of these and see if you can uh, ascertain the origin of these. For instance, above and beyond the call of duty. Do you know where that came from? Above and beyond the call of duty. Well, it's a common citation within medal awards. Yeah. Um, but no, not off the top of my head. Uh, originally referred to as acts of bravery that go beyond what's expected of a military serviceman or woman. Uh, originally during World War One. And then, as you pointed out, came to be used to describe Medal of Honor recipients. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one of those things that uh, we carry on. Uh, when we're, you know, pushing hard at something, we say, well, I'm going balls to the wall. Where, you know where that came from? Um, that was from uh, the early mechanization period, right? You'd have uh, weighted balls on spindle. And as no, uh, for, for centrifugal no, force, no, and as no, no, as it no. was going faster, no. they would they would rise. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. that's that's uh, yeah. It yeah. refers to yeah. uh, military aircraft, in particular older aircraft. Uh, pilots' control levers had spheres or balls at the end of them, and when the pilots flew at top speed, they pushed those levers to their limit, all the way up to the dashboard or up to the wall, and so balls to the wall came from. So that would be this uh, pedal World to the metal would be right. balls sure. to the wall. Sure. Well, okay. well, pedal to the metal would probably be <laughs> more car thing. Uh, bite the bullet. Uh, I'm going to guess that that's some that's they probably gave Civil War soldiers a bullet to bite down on as they yeah. ampu- amputated a limb. 
Yeah, they didn't have anesthesia, so you would uh, you'd do that. Uh, boots on the ground. Again, a military phrase. Well, yeah, I mean, um, primarily a military phrase is the way I always used it. But according uh, to the late, according to the late William Sass, uh, Sapphire, uh, who wrote uh, in two thousand eight uh, an on language column, uh, the New York Times, a U.S. Uh, a U.S. Army historian, found the reference to the expression attributed to General Volney Warner uh, in a Christian Science Monitor story written during the Iran hostage crisis. I thought it went back before that, didn't you? Uh, I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I would have I I guessed, guessed it would predate yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's where huh. it comes from. Kind interesting. of interesting. Uh, brass originally meant higher-ranked military officers, possibly a reference to the decorative metal insignias in the uniforms of the 19th century British soldiers and later uh, their American counterpoints. Sure, to make them out of brass, so we got to shine them all the gotta, time. got to polish it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, friendly fire. Friendly fire. Uh, this uh, originally uh, was coined to describe accidental attacks on troops by their own side. Uh, the Pointer Institute says Ben Zimmer, no relation to the radio station, uh, of uh, Language Log uh, for finding the first citation of the phrase in the New York Times October 18, 1918, during World War One. Um... We will pass on AWOL. We all know what that is. Uh, do you want to explain, uh, Scott, what branch of the service you were in? I was in the United States Army when I was a very, very, very young man, right out of high school. So back in the 1930s, when, when, Scott when, the, was... when the cavalry had horses, yeah. that's what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Huya, Ura, uh, Hua, uh, used uh, as a battle cry by members of various branches of the American Armed Forces, uh, may date all the way back to a phrase uttered by Seminole Indians in the 1800s. Uh, it uh, might also have been a World War II coinage. Uh, the pronunciation, uh, according to the acronym HUA, meaning heard, understood, and acknowledged. Yeah, I'd heard that one. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's a very, there's a what's a good way to put that? There's a love hate relationship with that term, so it can be a little too hua. Should settle down there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in the trenches. I know you guys are going to figure that one out. World War One. Yeah, that's when uh, they were fighting in the trenches. Lock and load. That goes all the way back to lock. Action was so. What was Flintlock. that? Flintlock. Springfield rifles. Yeah. yeah, flintlocks. Yeah, back to 1793, describing flintlock uh, weapons uh, owes the modern popularity uh, popularity to a John Wayne uh, movie who said in the 1949 film Sands of Iwo Jima, lock and load. He also uh, he also said saddle up, <laughs> move out, <laughs> windage and elevation, Mrs. Langford. <laughs> That's a quote right from his movie. On the double, Scott, I would That's think just double time. Yeah. yeah, origins go back to the 1800s, meant doing something in double time in the military. Uh, on the front lines, uh, it's the oldest uh, in military history, recorded as early as 1520, first used to describe the first row of an approaching group of troops on the point at which the opposing forces uh, met. Uh, that would be uh, going all the way back to 1842. Over and out. 
over and out is radio early, pers- early radio transmissions. Radio procedure, yeah. Originated oh. with ham radio operators and simply meant my transmission is over and I'm out. Uh, so there you go. There's some, uh, some. How about Roger that? That's just acknowledging that I understood. <laughs> Copy and understood is Roger that. Yeah. All right. Now on the last one here, snafu. We need the the um, situation rated no- situation normal. All fouled up. We got to. <laughs> there's also an X-rated version of that. We can't. We can't do. Uh, it dates back to World War II when it was associated with foot soldiers uh, who uh, resigned to dealing with a predicament they had no control over. Yeah, that later was. Uh, that later evolved into. I think our brothers and sisters in the Marine Corps first adopted that in more modern terms, and that was called embracing the suck. <laughs> it's going to suck, so you might as well love yeah, it. Yeah, dig in and go on. That's right. Oh, Lord. All right, uh, so we've got uh, a new uh, AR that's being used, uh, the XM7 by the military. Have you guys heard about that? No. No? All right, we'll cover that. Uh, but next, uh, next segment, uh, let's talk about ammo. Because I don't think most people are very picky about ammo. We'll kick it around with the guys. I'm Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Gary on Guns. And uh, Larry Whalen is in from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And uh, Scott Van Kirk is also on board with us. There is a, a story in Outdoor Life, a piece written by Matt Foster. Uh, the best 380 ammo of 2023. And he looks at critical defense and Remington and... But I've got a, a, a question about shopping for ammunition. Larry, when I go into Modern Arms to buy... At the Brown Station location? I, yeah. yeah, I was trying to Where's pause that? for that. Where's that? Yeah. Brown, Brown Station location? Brown Station location, yeah. yeah. I, drove, I drove by it a couple of weeks ago, and the per, my, my passenger, I said, that's uh, Modern Arms. And they immediately said, at the Brown Station location? I said, exactly. yes, that's the that's one. That's the one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I go in there to buy ammo... Mm-hmm. I don't generally pay attention to, is it Remington uh, or, you know. There are a few customers that are very brand loyal and, and want to have the the same load <clears throat> uh, to use all the time. Um, most of, I am not a, a brand loyalist on ammo. I uh, buy and shoot almost anything. It, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, you know, we... Uh, Generally, in the self-defense rounds, uh, in the in the handgun world, we, we like to default to what the Columbia Police carry. Uh, mm-hmm. They use a spear gold dot mm-hmm. as their duty ammo, so we generally stock that. Uh, as you know, just to use that benchmark of this is what the the local law enforcement use, so have that available. Um, well, and that, and that is both a well, one spear gold dot is a very it's good, a great round, it's yeah. a great round, um, but that also adds into a, a there's a certain court defensibility yeah there's a layer of defensibility were, of, of winning the, the court battle if yeah. you know just making things as as easy as possible for you down the road but yeah most of our customers aren't aren't seeking out a certain brand um and we don't carry a really wide variety of, of brands you know in each caliber uh, I will generally try to find the stuff that we can pass along to the customer at, at the best retail price, which isn't always from the same manufacturer. You know, it, it ebbs and flows through the distributors. So, Do competition shooters, uh, do they have that kind of brand loyalty or um, are you they know, just most using of their the, own loads? Most of the competitive pistol shooters I know that, that do any volume load their own ammunition and, and have their own recipe and, and want to, you know, be able to buy those same components. But again, back when I was reloading, I, 
I, I, I didn't care who made the bullets. As long as they're the same weight, they worked in the formula. Or the right caliber. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might be That's why important. I quit reloading. <laughs> <laughs> How much of a difference does that make? It depends on the shooter. Yeah. You know, the, the more... The more consistent my my ammunition is, the the more consistent my shot disbursement will be. So you know, I can I can eliminate that variable of of ammunition variability by loading my own. You know, weighing each powder charge. You know, for precision but, rifle shooters, absolutely, they're but, not going to consider throwing just yeah. you know what the what the measure through. But the highest quality ammunition manufactured under the most stringent quality control. Will not make you a good shooter. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's, no but it's, if you're, you have, if you're yeah. in competition and uh, you're, you, the closeness really uh, counts, uh, does that make that big a difference? Yes. Well, and, and yeah, in competition, once you've reached the level skill wise, um, then equipment becomes incremental. So, yeah. depending on whatever discipline you shoot competition with you're going to want the best pistol in your opinion that works the best for you you need all of the skill development and then lastly but not leastly you start to shave tenths and one hundredths of percentage points yeah. by using even higher quality ammo and and testing a variety of different bullet weights muzzle velocities yeah, so that your velocities are always exactly yeah. the same so everything is the same yeah yeah i mean the, repeatable the, yeah i mean the 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 we boil it right down if you want to be a, a a good shooter in whatever realm or discipline it's consistency consistency doing yeah. the same thing yeah. every time and having your ammunition travel at the same velocity every time can really make a difference depending on the discipline or the the game we're playing mm -hmm. but you know for what i do a lot of times with handguns is knocking down steel plates or putting holes in paper at inside 25 yards I don't need to get precision loads for the level of accuracy that I need to play the games I play. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I don't. I don't shoot Bianchi well, Cup. Well, and, know, I'm, I'm not a. I'm not a. And, I, and I'll be honest with you. For me, um, even though you know I've been shooting for a very long time, uh, personally and professionally, and really everything long else, time. That, yeah, from really, the hip and the lip, a really long time. <laughs> um, I still don't feel that I'm there where that minimal percentage makes a difference to me i still i'm still working on skill development yeah. <laughs> i am still working on skill development well, you know i shoot I, I took a class last weekend shot nine millimeter and i'm pretty sure i shot some 124 grain and 115 grain yeah. i ran them interchangeably even and though you, there's a huge difference yeah. if if i was looking for the difference i could find I the did. difference That's on right. those but for the the drills and the the distance we were using them at mm -hmm. they were interchangeable so, yes, it really matters, but sometimes it really doesn't. Right. Is that a bad answer, Gary? No, no, okay. it's not a bad answer at all. When, you know, if, if, for novices who are listening, what's the difference? What, what do they mean by grain? Okay, so the grain is, well, grain is used a couple different ways in the ammunition. Typically, the, it printed on the box, it'll have the grain weight of the projectile. Um, and in 9mm, common loads are 115 grain. 124 grain and 147 grain are the general ranges. And, and you'll see one or two grains above and below that, depending on the manufacturers. But those are the kind of the three classes or the three velocities that are generally loaded, 115, 124, and 147. Uh, there is uh, another article that I was uh, looking at. It was, the, uh, uh, it was from 24-7 Wall Street, 14 most versatile 
rifle cartridges for hunting. Uh, I don't do a lot of hunting, but I, you know, you do, uh, Larry, a lot of camping, and, and I assume you do some hunting while you're out. I, I, am I wrong in that? I, yeah, I, I certainly hunt whitetail. I uh, certainly enjoy shooting deer every fall. That's uh, an activity I've, I've loved for decades, yes. My God, Scott, he's killing Bambi. Oh, yeah, oh, and they're no, delicious. I, oh, they are, so, they are so delicious. They are. Makes my mouth water thinking about they it. They are so delicious. My problem is I can't eat one entirely one all by myself. So I tend not to. I got, I got out of hunting whitetail uh, when I first got into law enforcement, basically because you never get deer season off yeah. when you're a rookie cop, and I never got back into it. Now, if I did get back into it... Um, that wouldn't be hunting and it really wouldn't be much of a sport. I would, They're just in the backyard. I'd sit on my back deck and I would shoot, I'd shoot as they walk by. I'd be like, oh, that's a nice one. <laughs> they would soon quit walking by. Oh, you give them a lot more credit. Yeah, uh, they say the 450 Bushmaster uh, is uh, a, a, a nice round. They say uh, first created in 07. Uh, it's one of the newer calibers uh, on the list. Uh, initially designed for use in semi-automatic rifles. Yeah, it runs through a standard uh, standard frame AR-15, uh, single column. Um, you can use the 30-round mag. I think you get like 10 or 12 rounds in a 30-round 5.56 equivalent magazine. .45. So like the modern 4570? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, okay. a com- it's a compressed, uh, yeah, very similar to, to a, to a 4570-ish. I mean, yeah. projectile-wise for sure. Yeah. Heavy bullet. Heavy lot bullet. A lot of powder behind a it. A lot of energy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys hunting hogs with those. Um, you know, I would certainly, uh, I think that would be a very reasonable round for black bear. Um, it, it's, it's a good round. Seven millimeter Remington Magnum cartridge, without a question, they say, a big game round. Um, seven millimeter Remington Mag rifles capable of taking down some of the largest game in North America at distances of 400 yards or more. Yeah, real popular elk round. Uh, a lot of elk shooters run the 7mm the mag. It's, a, re- it's a good, fast, flat shooting round. Good good energy on target. Because I don't hunt anymore. Those are what I call big deer rounds. Big deer. Look at elk. That's a, that is a huge That's deer. That's a huge deer. <laughs> Uh, so they've got a couple of others on this list, and I, I want to get down to uh, the top five uh, because we're limited with time. Uh, seven millimeter uh, 08 Remington. They say that uh, this is effectively a 308 Winchester round, neck down uh, to hold seven millimeter bullets. Yep, a little bit faster muzzle Real- velocities. Real popular round, especially out of what did Remington came out with years ago? That Model Seven or whatever. A little the, Model Seven lightweight little, rifle, they, the, lightweight yeah, bolt action. They call gun. them youth round rifles, yeah. and then all the guys got a hold of them are like, "These are great, these rif- are great <laughs> rifles." <laughs> Winchester built a, a, a Model Seventy in that seven millimeter eight. It's a good round for sure. It's pretty popular, and you know, I I haven't figured out what it does so much better than three oh eight. But it is a faster bullet. I so. think it's a flatter shooter. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably so. Yeah, yeah. flatter trajectory. Uh, the one they rate is number one, 30 6 Springfield. It's been around for a long time. That's a good cartridge. World, he World War One. He can do a lot with it. Yeah. Larry's World been around for a long time, too. <laughs> we'll come back and chat with him in a few more minutes on Gary on Guns. And welcome to Gary on Guns. Coming up, Dr. John Lott uh, is going to be with us. The surveys that we see and that they promote on PBS and uh, the the mainstream networks always seem to indicate that people are really in favor of gun control. But it's all in how the question is asked. And uh, John managed to uh, get a survey taken, only he phrased the questions, I would argue, much more honestly 
Uh, and, well, I'm sure that uh, PBS is not going to air the results, but we will. He'll be with us. Uh, and also, uh, he was uh, conversing with a woman who got Jason Aldean's song bumped off M of uh, uh, CMT, and she blocked him. We'll, uh, we'll find out what the question was he asked that got him in trouble with her. In the meantime, Scott Van Kirk, former military, former law enforcement, uh, firearms trainer, is with us along with Larry Whalen from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And uh, we've got show and tell coming up in a little bit. We can't wait to get to that. Uh, if you want to take a look at what some of the things in show and tell, go to uh, Gary on Guns on Facebook. In the meantime, uh, there is a piece in 1945 by Chris Os uh, Osborne, M4 Carbine. The best rifle the U.S. Army ever had. Uh, it has gone through some, well, refinement, I guess. Improvements have been made to the trigger assembly, the, uh, the extractor spring, recoil, buffer, uh, the barrel chamber, magazine, and bolt, uh, as well as uh, ergonomic changes that allow soldiers to tailor the system to, the, to meet their needs. Today's M4, they say, is quite different under the hood. A uh, guy who probably had a little experience with that might be Scott Van Kirk. Scott? Uh, the M4 specifically, no. That was... Uh, but it's, it's great-grandpa, the M16 A2. A1. A1s, okay. And okay. A2s. Yeah. Okay, transition yeah. guy. Went from A1s to A2s. I did. I went through basic... <laughs> Which a. had... The, 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 so that is the, the same basic system mm -hmm. with a 20-inch barrel right. instead of the modern 14.5 right. on the M4. Uh, and we compare that more as the analog of the civilian version, the 16-inch mm -hmm. uh, carbine, um, which I run a lot and I really like. I run a 16-inch myself. Yeah, and it's, it's, you know... That to extra, me, it's actually a better compromise when you're looking for a, a, a shorter, more portable rifle than the 14.5, because the 14.5 is not designed for the 62-grain bullet. Right. It tends to just zip through things, um, as you saw... I mean, if you ever saw the movie Black Hawk Down, right. that's accurately betrayed that they're shooting the 62s, 62 grain bullets through people. Minimal effect. Well, yeah. minimal effect because they just zip on through. Right. And as that, as that M4 platform has continued to evolve, it, it has. It's become kind of mission configurable. Right. Um, so that you can add the, the laser designator if, mm -hmm. if it's going to be a night operation. Or, you know, you can add visible white light if you're doing room clearing and things like that. Yeah. So that it's, it's become a very, very flexible military tool um and the civilian version the ar-15 mm -hmm. um in the carbine man i i i love the platform it is so versatile right. and um you know low recoil it is easy to easy to master that rifle yeah. it, it's a but, great little great little gun but to have a true m4 configuration in the civilian side because of barrel length it's an sbr you have an sbr yeah, yeah. well the xm7 is coming. It's the Army's new gas-operated assault rifle. Uh, in fact, it has arrived. Uh, the uh, magazine-fed XM7 assault rifle is expected to arrive uh, later this year and formal, uh, formally uh, arm the operational Army uh, by the second quarter of 2024. Uh, the Army's SIG MCX Spear is a weapon designed by SIG Sauer uh, and chosen for the service's next-generation squad weapons program. Uh, designed to uh, replace that M4 carbine. Uh, so, so we're we're going up in caliber. We're going from right. from the 556 to the, uh, the the 277 Fury, right. which yes. is a um, a, a, a uh, 308 
case length mm-hmm. with a, a 6.8 caliber projectile. Right. Uh, still gas operated, but it is a, a factory a, adjustable gas. Yeah, and um, you know still, they, they, still many of the same features of the as the M4 similar M16. similar ergonomics. Yeah. Um, they have. Um, Modify the recoil systems where that's internal to the receiver instead of protruding out the, oh, the buttstock. Okay. So no more buffer tube uh, that we're used to seeing on the on the M4 M, M, uh, AR15 platform. Um, it it's going to be a, a a good platform for sure so, and, so and versatile down the road. It is caliber configurable, uh, so they they could be. Um, you can buy barrels. Uh, you can buy this gun c- civilian side in 308. Uh, which I really like, just because of the military heritage of that cartridge. The ammo is ubiquitous and, and yeah. you know easy, easy to yeah, get, I think it's as opposed to uh, as opposed to the advantages of the new um, two seventy seven Sig Fury, which is a faster bullet with the greater energy. It's it's got they've really done some voodoo stuff to to squeeze greater velocity. Uh, and energy out of a lighter bullet. Uh, it, it's going to be really good military application um, in the decades to come. If it ever becomes, you know, uh, uh, a surplus, that would that would be probably when, when I <laughs> if I live long enough for surplus, um, I'd, I'd, I'd adopt that cartridge. But uh, it, the Sig is they've they've won some huge military contracts, and the implementation of this uh, new new rifle is going to be fantastic for big army. Yeah, I don't see myself adopting 6.8 by 51 millimeter anytime soon just simply because of ammo availability. Yeah. You're just not, on the civilian side, you're going to be able to get it, and you're probably going to be able to get rifles chambered in it, but it's going to cost you. Yeah. Now, this same rifle in a 308, which I'm a big fan of 308, 7.62 by 51, um, I could see all day long. That's an interesting hybrid that you just got got rolling with that because a lot of the ergonomics are real similar um, adjustable gas system, no buffer spring, recoil spring. Yeah. So I've got uh, I've got an M16 kinda. I've got a cartridge that seems to have evolved from the 6.8 SPC, mm-hmm. and I have what sounds like a recoil system much more similar to either an AK or an FNFAL paratrooper model. Right. Yeah. So there's some, wow, there's some lineage. Some lineage. neat stuff. Yeah, um, there's some lineage flying you know, around the, in this um, the, the AR or the M16 charging handle looks like it's still intact, but they have offered a side charge option. I hope so, it's non-reciprocating. It is. Okay. Yeah, locking side They charge. say that uh, advances in enemy body armor uh, is the reason they're firing the ammunition they are, the 6.8 by 51 millimeter. Um, and the engagement just, distances, certainly, as we've seen in the in the desert, uh, applications are so mountains, are yeah. certainly much yeah. greater. Yeah. Um, so having the ability to bring effective fire at, at the extended ranges. Um, well, and I'd like to see some data on, again, I'll throw you the Mogadishu scenario. I would like to see some data on its ballistic effectiveness against unarmored individuals. Right. Because you're talking about third world low intensity conflict stuff. Those guys tend not to be armored up. And that 62 grain 556 five, zipping through people. Yeah. Zipping through people. Well, you know, uh, ice pick instead of uh, in, instead of a projectile that this that has enough time to change shape and mm-hmm. and and really cause and that the, hydrostatic shock and to yaw and to do a number yeah. of things and potentially not to leave the leave the body if in fact you've got a lot of civilians around. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, any rifle raffles on the horizon at all? You know, I, I don't have one running right now. Working with the uh, Columbia Firefighters 1055 to get our um, our 12 month long raffle. Uh, we have done that with them a number oh, of I years. Love that rifle, <clears throat> that and, raffle. And that'll yeah. that'll I believe we'll have tickets available this fall. Uh, look, shooting for a January 1st uh, draw date on that. Um, and that is typically a, a gun every other week, a prize every week. The non-gun prizes are always something shooting related. And, um, you know, the nice part about that $50 ticket, it would give you 52 weekly drawings, chances to win. Even when you win, you're put back in. And that's coming up. Um, well, that's a new one. No, no, that's no, been no, going on for a while. That's been going forever. Really? But, yeah, we no, should get that. Well, no, no, Scott, no, I, Scott, not your tickets. <laughs> the alliteration is what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we should have tickets for that available in fourth quarter. And, again, for that draw is, is scheduled to be started um, January, the first Friday in January. Well, I mean, obviously, Larry, just let me know when you need me to make my don't my non-winning donation. You know, it is a, it is a fundraiser. Come on. I know. Not every I ticket know. can win, I, but, I like but every that, ticket has a chance. I like it that you still give me a ticket 50, back. Like 52 I, chances. Yeah, like I have a chance. I like that you give me a You've ticket. You've got a chance. Yeah. Make you feel <laughs> good. Just taking my money. Oh, you, I'll let you know if you win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, listen, uh, gun control, uh, that's uh, one of the issues we, uh, we find ourselves facing all the time. Times Square... That's a gun-free zone. Uh, let's see how that's working. We'll chat about that next with the guys on Gary on Gun. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. Scott Van Kirk, Larry Wayland in Modern Arms. Brown Station location. And uh, there is a gun-free zone in, uh, well, around every corner in New York City, including Times Square. We'll chat about how that's working out. Uh, Mike just sent me a message uh, from GaryNolan.com. Anybody wants to send a message, they could do that or call us at 800 800- Five two nine five five seven two. Uh, he says, "Good morning, guys. What's a reasonable amount of ammo to have stockpiled per weapon?" Thanks. Uh, I would say as much as you have room for, but that <laughs> might not be the best. Yeah, my, my standards might be different from other. Yeah, I think that's, um, that's a very personal. That question. is a very personal <laughs> question. Um, I. I, I've been an ammo squirrel for a very long time. I, I like to detach spending money from shooting ammo. So I like when I go to go to the range, I like to go to the shelf at home and, and grab some ammo and shoot it up, you know, and instead of going to the store, spending money. How much and, money do I have to spend yeah, today? Yeah, and then it's like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I just, just blew a bunch of money. I, I, I just kind of buy ammo all the time, and uh, I like having it. I like having more ammo than I need. Um, I don't know. My my son thinks I have more ammo than I can shoot. So you just keep oh, that's buying. Not possible. Just just keep buying ammo. Tell him, and you know what you tell him? You need to shut up, or you ain't inheriting it. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I I don't know what my minimum threshold would be if if I didn't have. Uh, well, like, let's go at it this way. Does it does it go bad? Not, uh, not no. if it's properly stored. Properly no. stored would be. No. Um, ideally climate controlled. Um, I love storing ammo in the mil- military metal ammunition boxes. And if you've got, uh, I live in a, a house that has a concrete floor, a slab house. I, I don't ever let get those. Get them up off the, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've set them on a two by four. Just a little bit of air gap to keep the Just like when you, temperature changes. When you garage your car and you take the tires off and put it up on blocks. Yeah. Okay, I'll just take the tires off my ammo and put it up on blocks. <laughs> well, I gave you a car analogy because, you know, you're much more of a car guy than a gun guy. So I thought I'd throw that in there. 
Uh, you know, Larry, maybe you should come in alone. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. You did. Ouch. Uh, so uh, Times Square is one of those areas uh, in New York City where they have decided you cannot carry a gun. Uh, it's a gun-free zone. They actually have signs, illuminated signs, gun-free zone. So I, you know, I instantly envision, uh, you know, guys walking around with a gun, uh, good and bad alike. Uh, coming up to Times Square, seeing that sign and going, oh, I can't go into Times Square. It's a gun-free zone. And then maybe going back and uh, depositing their guns, hopefully someplace safe. I don't think it works that way, though. I mean, I'd like it to, but it doesn't work that way. Uh, the, the popular tourist spot writes bearing arms is just a section of the city open air and with zero ability to control who brings what into it. But New York City officials just knew they could make it a gun-free zone. How'd that work out? Well, three teens were injured when bullets flew in Times Square following an argument between a gunman and uh, the young victims. The shots were fired late Monday night, just before midnight on 7th Avenue between 41st and 42nd Street. A uh, 15-year-old and an 18-year-old were both shot once in the thigh. A 17-year-old later walked into Harlem Hospital with a graze wound to the arm that uh, the police believe was connected to the same shooting all three expected to recover and the shooter was a concealed carry permit holder is that what we got out of that well we don't know who it was but i doubt that that is the case huh uh they got signs all over the place saying not to bring in a gun and uh, apparently the bad guys did so the sign didn't keep anybody safe no that's kind of the the way it's been for forever because criminals don't care they're going to break the law. Well, I mean, it's yeah. kind of their business. I mean, everything that New York had in place and continues to have in place, slightly modified from a gun control standpoint, had nothing to do with crime control. It just right. has to do with control of the general of the populace, especially in New York City, yeah. to a lesser extent in outstate New York, which has some you know regular Earth people living out there who do like to own guns and things like that. But it's all. I don't know, gun control theater, let's pass a new law that supposedly this is going to have some sort of effect in any way, shape, or form. A new restriction, a new prohibited yeah. place. Well, you remember New Zealand uh, and, and all the extremes they've gone to to control firearms. Uh, last week, they actually had a shooting at a sporting event. Uh, several people were hit. Uh, it didn't work any better in New Zealand than it does in New York. So location doesn't seem to really matter, does it? It, no. does, it does not. You know, uh, there are there are criminals everywhere, and even if you could wave the wand and make the guns go away, you're still going to have criminals who are going to enforce their force their power over people um, regardless. You know, um, Britain with their knives, um, Somalia with their machetes. Mm, you know, it, it's it, there. There are groups of of evildoers that need to be held in check and. In my world, the, my concealed carry permit uh, and my, my firearm are that tool to help keep that in check. St. Louis City Council has approved open carry restrictions. Uh, the story is at Bearing, uh, Bearing Arms. Cam Edwards uh, was on. He's, uh, he, he said uh, for several months now, city council members in St. Louis have uh, floated the idea of banning the open carrying of firearms unless someone possesses an active concealed carry license. And on Thursday, the council unanimously approved the, uh, a new ordinance doing just that. The proposal is expected to swiftly be signed into law by the mayor, uh, 
who, by the way, is under fire by gun control advocates for text messages where she casts doubt on the effectiveness of gun control laws. You know, if she's perspicacious enough to recognize that gun control laws don't work, why would she sign the damn thing? As Scott said earlier, it's gun control theater. That's right. It's yeah. She's not going to get elected as mayor of St. Louis if she talks about... This is ineffective and not going to do anything. We're not going to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a a metropolitan area that is used to, and no offense to our friends in St. Louis, if anybody's listening, I know there's a lot of good people that live there, but it's an electorate that is used to being catered to and pandered to and nannied, if you want to use that term, which has been had some political popularity and things like that. So Mm -hmm. why, why, why confuse the truth with politics? Yeah. Yeah. The bill would outlaw openly carrying or displaying any firearm readily capable of lethal use within the city unless the person possesses a valid concealed carry endorsement or permit. Violators will be issued an endorsement violation. Punishment for adults could include a $500 fine, 30 days in prison, or community service. Minors could be fined up to $500. Look, they're talking about open carry. Uh, I don't see a lot of bad guys... Without a permit, um, open carry. I don't see a lot of open carry to begin with, uh, I, and I don't see where this does anything. Yeah, I, I don't know what specific problem they're trying to address. I have seen images of um, individuals with um, the uh, AR-style pistols um, slung, sure, uh, and that could be something they're trying to address. Um, well, I think maybe, that I, I, I think they're I looking for something that was relatively easy to slide through at a municipal level without running into conflict with Missouri state law. Yeah. So see, we're doing something. We're accomplishing something. Look at the gun control that we've we've passed yeah. in our you local just have city. That, right. Is it campaign pre- feather to yeah. throw in their cap and go, yeah. hey, we did. We did this. We knew it would be ineffective. See my text messages. And, um, you know, we won't put no, those no. in the campaign. Look over, look over at this hand, yeah. not at this hand. Uh, Cam says uh, that uh, this represents uh, in a step toward the end of firearms preemption in Missouri, uh, which is exactly what St. Louis officials are hoping will happen at the ballot box next year. All right, show and tell is coming up. Larry Whalen from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And Scott Van Kirk on board with us at Gary on Guns.